hold on to your butts. It's a new episode of Primary Technology. Today we're talking about the Apple Vision Pro pre-orders, lots of accessories we didn't know about. Plus Jason and I both went through the process. We're gonna tell our pre-order war stories, the Samsung Galaxy Unpacked event, several announcements about their phones, but also more just Google features that they announced. And as always, we have a little personal tech segment at the end. This episode is brought to you by Audio Hijack from Rogue Amoeba, who is joining me, my fellow Vision Pro pre-order. Jason A10, how's it going, Jason? Um, it's good. That was the fastest and most successful pre-order of all time, and I can't decide if that's a good thing or a bad sign. It was fast, except how I did it. And <laughs> I, I, like my adrenaline is pumping right now. We're recording immediately after we both did the pre-order thing. So just to be clear, you did pre-order an Apple Vision Pro, and it's coming to your house? Well, the first part of that sentence is definitely true. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know whether I will. I might pull a Steven. And probably cancel it. Oh, so, okay. I, but I did feel like I needed to go through the process so that we could talk about it today. Yes. And I felt like, is it really done? Wait, did I actually just, did I seriously order one of these things? It took two minutes. It seemed fast. All right, we'll, we'll get into the whole process. Right. There was also a bunch of accessories. Also, just want to say, everyone was saying no tiers, no storage tiers for Apple Vision Pro, and we were right. That, I just want to say right up here at the front. We said there were going to be storage tiers, and there are. Apple Care Plus is also very expensive on this device. We'll <laughs> very expensive, that. yes. <laughs> very expensive. We'll talk about that too. Real quick before we get into all the Apple Vision Pro stuff, we've had so many five-star reviews, which we now hit the top 18 shows in Apple Podcast tech category. So thank you all for listening, for watching. Great uh, viewership on YouTube as well, subscribers over there. So we really appreciate all the support. Again, we're only on our third or fourth official episode, kind of third official, third week doing the show. And so we would appreciate your continued support. If you could go give us a five-star rating and review in Apple Podcasts. And uh, we had a bunch of them this week, so I'm going to run down these like real fast. But these are the five-star reviews for this week. Louisiana Native 5577, Mac Lover. W.I. from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I'm surprised he can listen to all that snow. He's probably snowed in. Yeah, right. The Panda 16, Zach Attack 93 from San Jose, California, Thomas 843, Joe Lander, C. Gibson Rex, That Virtual Boy, Nate Gorby, Bryce Winters, Plasma Bunk, and Jorge S. Thank you. And they were all like five-star reviews. We are, we're at 4.9 stars now. Uh, they're trying to counteract your one-star review, Jason. I feel like I need to be, I need to defend my honor. I can't even figure out how to leave a review because every time I try to click on the five, it just ignores it, I feel like. So yeah, you got to hit. Do you have right. to actually leave a review? Do you actually have to leave a star and write a review for it to count? If I think if you just tap the write a review thing. A little window comes up and you can type and then do the stars. I think that's how you do it. But, but what if I just want to rate the show with a five star rating? You just tap the fifth star. You just tap the fifth star. That's fine. You could do that. I've done it I'll six times. That. So it doesn't, okay. seem, to, <laughs> Maybe doesn't that's, seem to take. That's six, six of our 55 star reviews there. Apple's podcast thinks that I'm trying to like DDoS the whole thing and it's like blocked yeah. me from leaving stars. <laughs> that's why we're in the top 18. That's exactly that's why. what it is. All right. I'm going to share my screen. We're going to go through a pre-order process, everyone, because uh, we need to all share our experiences. So. I will be honest, I had four devices set up to pre-order. <laughs> pre-order. I had my Mac Studio, I had my iPad Mini, my iPad Pro, which I recently got working. I should probably tell that story. Yeah. And my iPhone. They were all open. And the web like switched over first. I refreshed the page. The web was live. And so I went through with the pre-order. And so which device did you actually go through with the pre-order on? Well, don't you have to use the iPhone? I used an iPhone. So, so well, I was going to do whatever came first. And I had saw earlier this week that they'll give you like a QR code you scan with a face ID device and then it will do mm. the whole scan your head thing. Okay. So with whatever device and it connected it and it worked. So this, this was my process. We're going to talk about all the accessories too because a bunch of them 
you know, had no idea, didn't hear any rumors about. There's a bunch out there. So here's it is. Pre-order Apple Vision Pro. Get started. This is what uh, popped up for me, uh, ordering on the mm. web. So you get this little QR code, and then you can scan your face. And once you scan your face uh, with a phone, you can scan the QR code with an iPad with Face ID or iPhone, and then it just moves you on to the next step. And I'm not going to do it right now because it takes a while, but you basically do like a Face ID thing, only not circle. You go like mm-hmm. up, down, left, right. I didn't hold the phone close enough the first time, and it was like, eh, you know, hold it within 12 inches. Did you did you get an error, false positive, or no? It just it just literally just started telling me to. T- well, now in fairness, I've done this before. This is the exact same process we went through when we did oh, the demo. So right. I did act- I did know what to expect. So okay, okay, okay. So you do that, and then guess what, Jason? You choose your storage tier. Yep. Like we like we predicted. So you got two fifty six, five twelve, and one terabyte, two hundred dollar increments. So it's thirty five hundred dollars for two fifty six. That was that starting at price. And then it's 3700 for 512, 3900 for one terabyte. Here's the, here was where I was with this. I was like, I don't want to buy a $3,500 device and then a year down the road see the your storage is full message screen in VR 20 feet <laughs> wide. You know what I mean? Yep. So I, I went all the way and I did one terabyte. It might be overkill, but I did. Wow. That's, wow. Especially because this is, this is really a cloud focused device to begin with right like do you imagine you're going to like download your entire iphoto library onto this <laughs> no but i mean i'll probably capture honestly i probably won't capture spatial video directly on it because you're going to look like a wild person i'll probably do most spatial video capture with my phone i don't know if right. there's going to be like a game or now i imagine there should be an option to download movies because technically i should have this you know i got to the february 2nd date so i should have it on launch day and I am flying to podcast movement in March in Los Angeles. So I got like a five hour flight. Mm. I plan to bring this and I, I'm obviously going to report in detail about that experience of using a Vision Pro on an airplane and see how many people ask me questions. But uh. yeah, I, I'm both, I got a window seat, which with the whole Alaska airline recently, maybe that wasn't a great idea, but <laughs> I'll be in VR and it'll be so real as I feel the wind against my face from a... Uh, Anyway, oh man you have to download movies if you're going to watch this on a plane you're gonna to have to download a bunch of movies and so i imagine with disney plus the apple tv app i mean i want some storage at least for those i don't know maybe there'll be some kind of rpg game maybe final fantasy something will be on here and it takes up i don't know i went all the way you maybe did. that was a bad idea but I did. I don't know that it was a bad idea. It was just an expensive idea. It was an expensive idea. I just didn't want to regret not getting the storage at, at launch. So I did it. And I guess yeah. if you were going to do the 512, it's only what, $200. So it's, it's not that hard to right. make that jump. So Right, exactly. So those are the storage options. And then you, you just pay for it. You pay for it at once payments or all at once. And then you have Apple Care. Apple Care is $500. I thought 350 uh, earlier this week. I posted that out because that's like what Mac is. Like a MacBook Pro is around 250 to 350, depending on models. $500 for Apple Care or $25 a month in perpetuity if you just want that continual coverage. Which I have been transitioning some of my Apple devices to that monthly when they reach the end, just because like I don't know how long I'm going to keep this. And you can keep paying the monthly and have Apple Care or just cancel it at any time. And then you don't, which do you do Apple care? I don't even know oh, if yeah. about this. Yeah. So yeah, especially yeah. on phones and right. the, the benefit of it is that you can, you can keep paying forever. And then they changed this policy in 
maybe 2022. I can't remember exactly when, but essentially on a phone, for example, they'll repair it an unlimited amount of time at that $29 deductible at that point. So if you're really prone to dropping your phone, it feels like it's a very good, very good deal. It used to be that they would only do it twice on a rolling 12 month period of time. And then they changed it so that if you're paying for it, you can just do it forever. So that's what I've been doing, especially with like watches and stuff. Cause I mean, my kids watches my kid, one of my, my son has a phone. I just do the monthly because we're about to hit two years anyway. And yeah, we've already used it several times. So yeah, <laughs> just do it. Also in the middle there, uh, I'm not going through the process cause I have to do my whole face scan thing, but it does do the prescription insert question. And it basically asks you, do you wear glasses? And you go through several different questions It asks if you're nearsighted or farsighted, you use readers. And I did the thing. I said, I do wear glasses. It asks if you wear contacts also. And I, Zeiss, you upload your prescription to Zeiss. It seems very disconnected from the actual Apple Vision Pro shipment. Because when I went, got to the final order, it says shipment one, the Apple Vision Pro. And then shipment two, the Zeiss lenses come two weeks after they approve your prescription. And so you upload your prescription after you've done the whole buying process. And it seems like those are going to come two weeks later. And obviously, you can also just buy them separately as an item in the Apple store. How did that work when you were ordering it? Same same thing. I mean, it asks you a series of questions. And I, did, I didn't have a pres- my prescription in front of me. So I just was, you know, they're pretty easy questions. Like, do you use glasses? Yes, no, whatever. Right. Do you, you know, what type? Prescription, non-prescription readers? I guess... The, them, I don't know. And then it asks, do you, do you use them to see far away or see up close? You answer that question. And then it asks some strange question about prisms. I don't even know what that meant, but if you check yes, it'll be like, you can't buy a vision pro. So check no, apparently is the important thing to say there. Wait, what, what did it say? You can't uh, something about, that. does your prescription have a prism? Is there a prism factor? Right. To your prescription? That, yeah. I saw that question. And if you click yes, I don't know either, but if you click yes, it's like, sorry, we won't sell you this. Um, Vision Pro, so really? apparently, well, I think it's these ice inserts don't accommodate that particular factor of a prescription. So I guess you could still buy the Vision Pro, you just can't buy the insert. So I don't know if that would mean you'd need contacts or something like that. So interesting. Okay, so I was I was about to do the face scan thing because I wanted to see what <laughs> what the uh, shipping times were at the moment, and so I might I might take a moment to do that. All right, but tell me as as I scan my face and go through this, we're gonna talk about the accessories in a second. What was your, like, did you do in-store pickup? Did you do delivery? What was your experience there? I did delivery mostly because, well, I don't make YouTube videos, so I don't need to, like, have the content of the experience of showing up. But I prefer not to interact with human beings if I can avoid it. And so (laughs) I don't like to go into stores to do pickup for things. Although I have done in-store pickup for plenty of Apple things. I just, if there's an option for me to not have to talk to a human being, I'm going to choose that every time. It is really weird watching Steven do do this process. It's literally doing the double face scan. And the music in the background makes me feel very, very I'll I'll leave that in. I'm not going to edit that out. You can can hear my face scan. Yep. (laughs) Background music. You can hear my face scan. That is a title right there. (laughs) You can, if we did funny titles, maybe we should do that. Let us know listeners on social media should we do mm-hmm. funny titles or keep a straight laced like we've been doing it so here we go face game complete uh you have to do all the zeiss questions let's go through it i need to answer a few quick questions just say no yeah it'll be quicker yeah i'm gonna do no yeah i'm gonna do no for all these things you're all set you can buy a thing 
Let's go with the base model, 256, see what that availability is. Let's just buy it outright. Oh, look, it already says February 13. It already said February 13th. Oh, it's already slipping. It's already slipping. We're 40 minutes from pre-order time as we're recording this very moment, and it's slipping already. Well, they only had two available. They had one 512 that I pre-ordered and one one terabyte that you pre-ordered, <laughs> and now that's it. That's it. Okay, so I'm going to add this to the bag. now. Now, here's where it got complicated for me. I did. I saw these accessories and I was like, I'm going to come back and do these. I don't even want to mess with those right now. I just need to get the actual Vision Pro order in. So this is where I was. And, you know, you get the two options, you know, pick up, whatever. So I did check out with Apple Pay, as you do. I was doing the Apple Card to get that daily cash. And I was trying hard to pick it up in the store because, like you were saying, I wanted to make videos about it early. <laughs> and as you could see, all the Apple stores near me now, 40 minutes in, unavailable zero pickup times just you can't get it can't get any in-store pickup appointments you know you could try to show up to a store but i have a feeling you're not gonna you're not gonna it's not gonna work i'm here in central florida or near near tampa the first one i tried was apple brandon which we talked about apple stores on our second episode it's like a very small apple store like it had the 8 a.m reservation time available and so i clicked it i went all the way through and when the Apple Pay screen came up, I did my fingerprint, payment failed. Uh-oh. And you go back, and the reason why it failed is because that reservation time is no longer available. I don't know how, like, it was seconds. Seconds from choosing 8 a.m. to doing my Touch ID to confirm purchase, and payment failed. And so I did that multiple times, both for the Apple Brandon store, and then I went over to Apple International Plaza, which is like a larger Apple store. They also had availability payment. It just kept failing. It was probably six or seven times. I kept trying to do it. And then eventually the times got to 3 p.m. in the afternoon. And I was like, UPS is going to make it to my house before this reservation time. So forget it. (laughs) Like, I'm just going to do it at home. And I was not able to do the in-store pickup. But it was so fast. And I don't know, because these are smaller stores, maybe it's like they're getting four models of each storage size to actually sell and just those reservation times just slipped really fast but as you can see uh, nothing near me in florida is available now That's what i don't understand stores. is why don't they just take the one that they were going to ship to you and ship it to the store the day before so you can just pick it up i, yeah, I don't know maybe that's tim cook tim cook come on talk to me about this like we could i can help you with this process here just there's a way to manage your supply chain better tim come on <laughs> i think he knows what he's doing but i will say uh, I, I texted somebody at apple after i ordered this and i was like listen earmark this order for a early delivery like next week <laughs> how about that can we good do luck. that good luck now if you'd like it delivered it is it is slipping the delivery dates so we got february 13th the 16th right now oh and so you do the sizing the reason why they scan your head is to do the sizing part of your apple vision pro what size did you get for your solo knit band and and dual loop i don't even know what i i don't even know what i chose hang on if you look you have to look at your order information and it tells you you know solo knit band m Dual loop band M. That's what I got. Mine says fat head. No, I'm just kidding. It says. <laughs> I thought I'd be a, a big head uh, size, but I don't. I guess I'm medium. It says solo knit band medium, light yep. seal yep. 25W. These are very. Well, see, mine's 21 These are very meaningful phrases here. But did I. So I get both bands, is what you're saying. Okay. You get the solo knit and the dual loop. Okay. Those seem to be the same size. And then my light seal is 21W. Mm. I don't know what that means. Inches? 21 inches wide? I don't. I have, I don't, I have a larger one, so maybe. I don't know. It's probably yeah. just random. It just like, they just assign numbers and letters. And I guess, I guess. So anyway, so that was my order process. It was very stressful. My adrenaline is still kind of like surging. Plus I'm drinking cold brew caffeine, but I did get it. 
It's delivering February 2nd, supposedly. I uploaded my Zeiss prescription for the inserts as well, but you hear like directly from Zeiss, basically. It, that's not even something Apple's like dealing with. Yeah. So that, that's the order. And then you had to go back in. You had to go back in. The accessories, Jason. The accessories Revolution Pro. I had heard no rumors about this, but apparently there's a bunch, including the travel case for Apple Vision Pro, which, again, I was going to take this on a plane in March. So $200 for the Apple Vision Pro travel case. Third parties are going to totally have a field day, I'm sure, making travel cases and things like that. But it's so $200 travel case. If you want to get an extra Apple Vision Pro battery, $200. You can get an extra battery for $200. And then you have the uh, Zeiss optical inserts and then a bunch of other things like you can order the light seal, also $200. The light seal cushion, I guess you can get like... That's probably the part that's going to get maybe kind of nasty being against your head the whole very time. Very nasty. It's going to be very <laughs> nasty. Not kind of, very. When you wore it back like WWDC time, like what was your sense of like the material and like how durable or like how dirty that thing was going to get? What was your take on that? A while ago. But the sense I got was that it was similar to like AirPods Max cushion right? But maybe a little bit more dense. So maybe a little bit less disgusting than that. I was trying to, now that I'm looking back, I'm trying to think, I wonder who wore, whose sweat was I? Who, who wore this before me? What, what other journalist did I? You probably had new light seals for everybody. You're probably right. I I had heard about an Apple event uh, maybe a year ago. I think it was the AirPods Pro 2 or something where they were like letting people try them. And as people were trying them in the demo area, maybe you were at this, I don't even know yep. what event this was. That was the iPhone event, yep, for the iPhone 14. Okay, it was the iPhone event. Someone was saying that as people were trying these AirPods, like they couldn't give it to someone else to try because that's like, you know, can't do two people in a row with the same AirPods. And they weren't going to like resell them. So it was just like a box that they were like throwing these used AirPods in. Do you recall this? Did you remember saying that at all? So when you were at a at the hands-on area after like the iPhone event or these tables and they'll have a table for the iPhones, they'll have a table for the watch, whatever else. And so the where they had the demos for the AirPods Pro, you'd be standing there and if you wanted to try them, there's there's the product people who are standing at the table and then behind them are people who look like like butlers or servers or like waiters and they just had these platters not platters but they had these custom cases they were just full of airpods pro like just i don't even know how many are in there but like 30 or 40 50 just cases of airpods pro and every time someone walked up to the product person they would take a new airpods pro out of that they'd pair it to the phone that they were using to demo it and then they'd let that person use it and when they were done they'd go into a different slot and then eventually you'd like somebody get on the mock you talk be like we're all out of uh airpods pro we need a airpods pro on uh, table four please and someone else would come out with a new tray and they'd trade them and they'd just keep going it was very efficient but i just kept thinking like two hundred and fifty dollars two hundred and fifty dollars two hundred and fifty dollars two hundred and fifty like what are these are these the refurbished ones you could buy later <laughs> they sanitize the uv light them listen tim cook seat cushions okay that's where they get the, the they're just two fifty dollars it's change it's just change in there it's still i just felt like i was at i will say i was at a different event strangely wasn't actually an apple event but apple was involved in this event and it, they were you telling me about this they were highlighting a technology that they had done with United Airlines. And at that event, they were just handing out AirPods Pro. (laughs) Like, (laughs) here you go. So you can, do you need need a pair so you can try this on? And it's just, and and there's the USB-C ones, right? Yes, that's true. They were the USB-C ones. Actually, I'm wearing them. No, I'm not wearing them right now because I'm wearing my shirt in yours, but I do have, they're in my pocket. Yeah, so. Oh, there you go. See, I have my, I finally set mine up. These are my USB-C AirPods Pro 2. That'll uh, have lossless audio, I guess, with the Vision Pro. 
Yeah, over Bluetooth. Imagine that. See how that works. <laughs> Imagine that. So a couple other things. You can buy things like Solo Knit. Anyway, you can buy all this stuff individually. Also, they're selling the 30-watt USB-C power adapter, which this was, again, another detail I don't think we had before, but it seems like 30 watts is what is going to power the Apple Vision Pro. And they had said, you know, all day battery life, quote unquote, when you're on power. Just like, I guess you just need a 30 watt like this. I thought it might be more closer to a laptop power, but just 30, which is like iPad charger. I mean, 12.9 inch iPad has probably more screen that it has to light up than this thing. Right. And so and it has cameras, it has lighter. I mean, so I, I don't know. I that doesn't surprise me. It's running that, you know, an M series processor. So, and I guess there's the R series too. Yeah, you're right. R one. I don't know. That's all that's do is like the pass through video stuff. So I don't imagine that that's, that's like the real time processing for that. So yeah, 30 watts seems like, think about a macbook really air you can run a macbook air a 15 inch i have a 15 inch macbook air right now and it came with that little weird dual usbc yeah adapter dual thing. Yeah. yeah so that's i right. mean that's, that's right. only 30 watts i think so okay all right this was also this accessory was rumored that belkin was going to make a clip and it was available again you could buy it right now this is the battery holder for apple vision pro so you know the battery is going to connect with that little like connector on the side of the vision pro and then it's going to be hanging down to a cable and belkin made a little clip so the battery fits into this and you can clip it on your belt i guess like the old school phone holder do you remember that jason do you ever have one of those yeah i do like the nextel phones or whatever that you like everyone clipped them on i do know people that actually clip their iphone on and i just wonder what are you doing like really put it in your pocket that's impressive (laughs) my dad uh he always thought like his phone was just going to get destroyed somehow and so my dad was a welder and he literally welded a metal belt loop holder. It was like aluminum and like you could weave your belt through and then he put his phone, which was also in a case in this like metal holder on his belt. It was the chunkiest, most <laughs> awkward thing. But I mean, he never cracked his phone. So welding yeah. is not exactly a precision, you know, manufacturing form of producing it, things. So I feel it would not sell. It would not sell as an Apple accessory. I'll give you that. It did not oh, have the aesthetic, but, but it worked. I want to look at this this travel case. This is interesting. So with the Apple Vision travel case, it is $200. It seems to just fit. And we also have an image here, if you're watching, youtube.com slash at primary tech show, the front cover for the Apple Vision Pro, which we saw in the press release that it was going to come with one. This is what it looks like. It's got a little, um, yeah, it kind of looks like the solo knit band, but holds the battery on one side, the Vision Pro on the other. Comes a little uh, baggy. What's that baggy for? I guess the other band, maybe? Is that for the lens inserts, possibly? Oh, maybe the lens inserts? I don't know. It's round, so I have no idea. Round, maybe? Yeah, oh yeah. So there's compartments for your batteries, Zeiss optical inserts, Apple Vision Pro cover, and additional accessories. Mm. Rip stop outer shell. What is that? That sounds intense. So that if you're trying to rip your Vision Pro, it will stop you. I don't... I don't know. Now, I'll tell you, this is interesting. So I heard on a couple other shows and in the news, like Apple is being very particular about whenever someone says or writes the name of this product, they're supposed to say Apple Vision Pro, like the word Apple, the word Vision, the word Pro, ideally not on two lines. <laughs> You're supposed to have it all <laughs> together on one line, which the internet doesn't work that way. Different screen sizes, you know. Right. But I find it interesting that this travel case actually has the Apple icon and then Vision Pro written out. Seems like they either broke their own rule or this is just, it looks nicer to have, they want the Apple logo on the outside of this case, but that's curious. I think to be clear, 
what you're referring to are the developer guidelines so that if when developers oh, refer to it in the description of an app, that's those are the style guidelines for that. And mm-hmm. Apple apparently is allowed, but they, they do the same thing with the watch, right? Like you can describe exactly. it as the Apple watch, but then if you, you know, you get it, it just has a little, like on the underside of your Apple watch, it'll just have the Apple logo and then say watch. So right, right, yeah, right. I think that they have decided that those two things are interchangeable, but they're really, really concerned that you may be confusing someone. If you just talk about vision pro, because there are so many other products like this in the market i don't know they're just (laughs) but i just can't understand that is the case well it's actually a little bit big but like why didn't they make that for the airpods max that seems like the the case for the airpods max right there that puts it to sleep i just want a case like this that puts the airpods max to sleep that would be ideal i don't understand i mean 200 dollars would be a little bit expensive to add to a 500 dollars pair of headphones but still i feel like that is the case they should have made for the AirPods Max. That is that is the case they should have made. Well, those are all the accessories. Now, that's our pre-order experience. I'm at least going to get mine on February 2nd. Jason may or may not cancel his <laughs> order. We'll have to see. You can uh, message him to see what, what he's going to do. I also want to mention this week, the press for this device from Apple, I think has been different than any other product before. Like it's been very curious. Apple gave demos at WWDC. There were a bunch of people got demos. You got a demo. There were developer demos between WWDC and now, kind of private labs. People weren't really able to talk about it. The guys at the ATP podcast are like, had a demo. That's all we can say. Like, it was very secretive. And now this week, Mark Gurman said this was going to be happening on the 16th, but it seemed to kind of happen throughout this week. Multiple locations, New York and Los Angeles. Apple invited a bunch of people to try it again, or some for the first time. This is Andrew Edwards, YouTube creator, a Chance Miller from 9to5Mac, and then like other just kind of influential people. I mean, Al Roker, the news <laughs> uh, guy, which I don't know, depending on your age as you listen to this, maybe you know who Al Roker is, maybe you don't. But he got a demo. It was also like, I, I was trying to figure out who all the people were. There were a lot of like tech YouTube people, I Justine, MKBHD, Neil Apatel from The Verge, obviously. But then there were also influencers kind of outside the tech bubble. Like, I think I saw someone from like Condé Nast and there were some like straight news anchors uh, from different like news outlets. And so it feels maybe a little bit like the Apple Watch launch where they gave like 24 karat gold Apple Watches to Katy Perry and random celebs to kind of sport it. And this, it just felt interesting. I don't know. how. Did, what did you think about this as you saw it coming in? I mean, I'm still better because I didn't get an invitation to go to New York City Same. to do this. But I, 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 I'm over it because I did get to try it at WWDC. So that's great. It, it, but I am more mad now that I know that El Roker got to come to New York you know, to do it than I did not. I wasn't upset when you know people like Neelay Patel or or uh, sure, Joanna sure. Stern or MKBHD. Yeah, I don't, yeah. I'm not, I don't, but Al Roker, come on. Like I was at least right about it, you know? So, but I will anyway, <laughs> they, they apparently know that. So I, it is a different, it is a very different thing. And it just tells you, I don't know what it says, but it certainly says something about how Apple perceives this. And they are very carefully trying to roll out the launch of a brand new platform. And they're very carefully trying to sort of control the story. You know, there was, I saw a piece, I don't know if it was on nine to five Mac, probably not, but I saw a piece somewhere where they pointed out how in every single photo of these influencers, the battery is hidden. 
It's like they don't want you to know mm-hmm. that this is a device that requires not just a dongle, <laughs> but like the world's largest dongle, like yes. with power attached to it. So they, you know, and if you go back and you look at all the photos, you you don't see that anywhere. You just see the cable coming down behind and then that's it. And so Apple has, because Apple took all those photos, right? Like you have journalists who went, right, exactly. who could in theory have had photographers from their organization take the photos, but that's not how it worked. Apple took all the photos and then provided them to them. And, right. and so they are, they are that carefully trying to craft this narrative. And that just tells you either that Apple is anxious about it. I don't know if that's the case, but more that they are very like conscious of how this is presented to people you right now, if you're watching this on YouTube, there are nine photos. Like not one of those is an Apple executive. Right. That's the interesting thing. You still never seen Phil Schiller wear one of these things, right? Or Or Tim Tim Cook Cook. or, or, uh, Eddie Q. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Put, put this thing on Eddie Q and it will sell. I'm telling you right now, (laughs) but you just haven't, yeah, you haven't seen these, you haven't seen the photos of them doing it. And so it, it just, it's interesting to me. So in this photo, uh, this was compiled by Parker Ortolani. Forgive me if I, if I butchered your name. I think he's at the verge, but he, he compiled all this, like including John Gruber, MKBHD, Brian Tong. But the one guy who I didn't know, and this was one of the influencers kind of outside the tech sphere in the bottom right corner. Isn't that Luke Skywalker? I don't know. I feel like that's <laughs> well, Last there Jedi. Were many memes uh, from that, including this. Yes. I See? <laughs> yes. They, they uh, photoshopped him with a Kylo Ren lightsaber because he was the only one that wore a hoodie with his Apple Vision Pro. This is Josh Rubin, apparently, from Cool Hunting. Never heard of him. Did not know of him, but that he got to try it. And again, this is kind of one of those like interesting choices of it seems like Apple is trying to reach outside the tech sphere to make this kind of more of a cultural product. But John Gruber was funny because he was like, this guy cheated wearing a hoodie. Yeah. Like, everybody else looks kind of funny. <laughs> and this guy's the only one that looks cool because he wore a hoodie and yeah, he was better. Yep. And so. I did see, I think it was Kara Swisher who shared that and said that she was going to go see the vision pro like next week and that it better include that hoodie she's <laughs> apparently it's she's very not expensive putting it hoodie. on unless it includes a hoodie it, yeah people, i'm sure people looked is. up that hoodie and it was it was a very expensive it's a nice hoodie so it's interesting i'm curious what the reviews are going to be like because now that pre-orders were today as we record it arrives to the normal people like me two <laughs> weeks from now <laughs> two weeks and so we have a full usually there's not this much of a lead time, you know, with the iPhone, right. it's usually like pre-orders on Friday, reviews come out the next Tuesday, and then phones delivered to everyone that next Friday. It's usually just like a week lead time between pre-orders and delivery. And now we have two weeks. So I'm curious if there's going to be another kind of like weird round of influencers and celebs posting photos of themselves using Apple Vision Pro next week. And then we get like the mkbhd i justine reviews the week after like the week they actually deliver i don't what do you think what do you think that timeline is going to look like it is really hard to guess because everything about this is different than what we've experienced in the past because you're right you you, normally you go to an iphone event on a tuesday morning and then they overnight review units to people the they go on pre-order that friday and then the review embargo usually you know drop their lifts on the tuesday beforehand so there are this timeline is very strange and it's very hard, but I would imagine that you're right, that there will. And in fact, I think was it maybe Mark Gurman who reported that there would be a second round of briefings. Although I think that in the reporting, it was a second round of briefings with the same 
people who went to the first round and that maybe they'll get review units and then, you know, on the 30th or 31st, then they can post their reviews. Right. So I'm not really sure uh, because also the group of people who who we saw photos of and who we've seen sharing the photos are are a similar. There's an overlap with the people who have actually been called back for several. There's been several intermediate like briefings all along. They did the spatial video demos. They did that kind of thing. So it is right. it's very very different in terms of the way that Apple's rolling this out. I think we'll probably see reviews next. I have no information. I can write my review anytime I want because I have not agreed to any embargo. I just it would be writing it based on <laughs> I agree to my, nothing. my experience in June. However, if you'd like to invite me to New York, I will be happy Absolutely. to I'll jump play, on a plane. I'll go right now. So, I mean, if you're going to yeah, do a briefing, yes. let me We know will stop recording this podcast and we'll just, we'll, we'll stop we'll just right pick now. it up in New York. So call Let's me. If you see one of us leave abruptly during a recording, <laughs> you'll know exactly what happened. Although we won't be at liberty. Either that or it's because my dog is wants to go chase a squirrel. But one of those two <laughs> things is the reason <laughs> one, why. One of those two very important things. Yep. One, I thought it was interesting. Everyone is trying to make it clear that these are not reviews. People, these are like 30 to 60 minute demos, it seems like. So obviously you cannot review a product with that amount of exposure. Of course, whenever any reaction is posted, the internet is like, oh, this thing is going to stink because this person thought it was heavy in 30 minutes of use. Yeah. Which interestingly did seem like the predominant takeaway. Everyone said it is still an amazing experience. It's very immersive. It's surprising like how high quality the screens are compared to something like the Meta uh, Quest. Is it the Meta Quest or the... Meta, yeah, that's correct. MetaQuest yeah, 3. MetaQuest. And so, you know, all of that still remains as positive feedback. A lot of the comments were the weight, how heavy it will be. And then there was a whole like online discourse about like neck muscles and a bunch of gifts of like <laughs> getting ready yeah. for Apple Vision Pro, you know, raising a weight with your neck, which is hilarious. But The Verge wrote something up. Chance Miller at 9 to 5 wrote it up. A lot of like MKBHD basically wrote thoughts in an Instagram story. And it was like, yeah, still amazing. Very immersive. The weight is a thing. You're going to have to get either used to it or maybe you won't wear it for extended periods of time, which it seems like entertainment is the predominant like selling feature that Apple is really pushing. There was another press release where Apple was like, here's all the Disney Plus stuff and you can watch stuff, watch movies like you're on Tatooine and there's going to be lots of 3D movies. And so you're going to be wearing it for like two plus hours. And so I think that weight is going to be, you know, a factor. Do you remember from your demo, like how did it feel weight wise or if that bothered you? So I don't want to sound like I'm just dismissing all of that, but I think more than the weight was sort of like the density, right? Because it's an aluminum and glass thing that's sitting on the front of you. And there's not really anything counterbalancing that. There's just a strap. And now during the demo, I don't know if this is true for everyone. If I remember correctly, we actually had a combination of the two straps. It was, I think we had this, what they now call the solo knit, but we also right. had a thing going over the top, which made right. it. So if you're concerned about it, that's going to be the way you want to go because you won't right. be spending all of your time scrunching your nose up. But I do remember when I first got glasses, I felt like they were falling off my face all the time. And I felt, and I was getting like headaches because I was constantly like doing this thing, trying to like, yeah, like get used to having these things sitting on my nose. Now, obviously my glasses do not weigh anything compared to what a vision pro does. Sure. But I do think there is going to be an element of you'll get used to, you know, this. It's kind of like you and I with the iPhone 15 Pro Max. Like you do, it does become your sort of new normal. That is not to say that it's not a thing that people will notice. I think that it's a thing you notice at first because there was, even in these demos, still not free reign to just do what you wanted to do with them. So you notice all of the other things that are happening. And so I think that it's, 
it's real. Will it be a deterrent? I'm not really sure. And if you're sitting on a couch, I don't know. It's not like you're, it's not like you're having to like run around. It would be different if this is the thing you actually wore all day for work, I guess. I am curious. It seems like Apple really intends you to be sitting using this device. A lot of the press images and videos that they've shared in the newsroom articles has been people sitting, actors sitting, but you know, people sitting using it. There was one of the pictures that uh, Parker had posted from one influencer. It looks like he's getting ready for the Matrix. I heard someone, saw someone comment. He has a long, like, leather jacket. But he's standing doing it. And I remember during WWDC, there were a couple of clips of people, the dad, like, capturing his kids playing in spatial video with Vision Pro. He was standing and moving. And there was that one shot of somebody, like, in a kitchen preparing things while wearing Apple Vision Pro. Seems like an unlikely use case, but maybe if you have a recipe app. Which that was the other part of the news, which we probably won't get to, but there's not really a lot of apps for this when it launches, like right. Netflix, YouTube. A lot of apps are not going to be there at launch. Mac Stories had a great article that I will uh, include in the show notes that talks about the lack of apps that are going to be here at launch. But yeah, it looks like you're really going to be sitting and the weight, we'll see. I'll probably be using the top strap. I might have to uh, change my hairstyle. I might just go with a buzz cut. I don't have to worry about my hair anymore. We'll Ooh, see. That, I mean, you don't actually have to wear it all the time. It's okay to take it off occasionally. So you don't have no, to change your entire lifestyle just for this Apple I'm living Pro. In VR. <laughs> but I, I'm living so in when VR. we when we did the demo in at WWDC, there was a part of it where it was like, okay, now get up. Because there was they did the oh, immersive okay. experiences, which one of them was the Alicia Keys in the recording studio. Right. And then there was also the dinosaur experience. I don't know yes. if that's exactly what they call it. But they're like, yeah, get up, go up there to the, you know, to the dinosaur, look around it, do all they wanted you to experience the fact that you are immersed in this space with virtual elements that are, you know, interact, not interacting with your real space, but like they coexist and if how real that feels and how seamless it was. So I do think that they very much envision that this is a way that people will use it. But yes, you still, when you think about it, you, you have to have a solution for the battery pack. I don't, you know, you're carrying it around. You have to pick it up. That certainly limits what you're going to do. It is definitely more ideal to either be standing at a desk or sitting at a desk or sitting on a couch, but I don't think it would be that big of a deal to pick it up. And, and, and the pass through video is so good that you could walk through your house with, with this thing on and you're not going to walk into walls. Okay. Yeah. I am curious if you're in total immersive VR and you stand up and move. You know, I tried a Quest 2 a while ago and it would basically like warn you in like red, like you're approaching a wall, <laughs> like watch out for this obstacle. I'm curious if Apple Vision Pro is just going to like kind of break the VR experience and just show you the wall or if there's going to be a warning of like danger, <laughs> proximity alert. Yeah. I'm not sure. Well, and on the, on the Quest, we have a Quest 2. You actually had to define your boundary in advance. So you have said like, right. this is the only space. I, and so if you try to go beyond that, it will like be, it'll be like danger. Will Robinson go back to the couch. Right. But with the vision pro, I, you know, it does interrupt the immersive experience of a person walks into your field of view, right? That is a thing that right. is involved in it. I don't, I don't, you know, a wall is not a person, so I'm not sure how it will do that. But I, right. I imagine that they do not want you smashing into what that would be bad. PR. I feel like that would not be a good story. That would, that would be, this is just real quick. The Mac stories uh, article. Then we're going to talk about the galaxy unpacked event. Not a lot of apps like YouTube, Spotify, Amazon prime video, and they're not going to have native apps. You're going to have to go to a web browser to watch things like prime video and Netflix, which means no downloadable movies and less quality. I would imagine, you know, probably buffering through a web browser title, Roku, no real social media apps at launch, Instagram threads, all that kind of stuff. 
news apps. You'll have to go to the web for all that using Safari for a lot of these things. Games, you know, Minecraft, Genshin Impact, Resident Evil, those are not available. I thought this was funny. Mac stories included ride sharing. Lyft and Uber <laughs> will not have apps at launch, which is like, hey, I'm, I don't even know what the location abilities are of Apple Vision Pro. Like, does it have a GPS chip? Does it have a U1 chip for Find My? I have no idea. Like, I don't know if we've heard those details, but it would be pretty hilarious to be standing on a street corner with Apple Vision Pro hailing an Uber. I will say, if you're at an airport where you're at one of those stops where it has like, you know, a bunch of rideshare vehicles coming across, if Apple Vision Pro can like highlight your car in, in augmented reality and say, there's your car, no question. That'd be pretty sweet. It, you're pretty cool. you're living in a very futuristic world. I, th- I mean, this right. this thing is very cool, but man, the the number of things that have to like work together. Yeah, I don't think it's surprising that Uber and Lyft are not. I mean, although technically this says Vision OS support, Vision Pro support. No, I don't know if that just means you'll be able to launch for Uber. Can you launch the iPad app? Is that what it's? I know, it's, no, I think actually, is there an iPad app? I don't think there's an iPad app. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. We'll have to see. We'll have to see. Also, uh, shortcuts support, you know, may or may not be there. I was, I was looking for to build some shortcuts in uh, VR. Feel like Minority Report moving my actions around and stuff. Mm, that'd be pretty cool. I do think it is interesting. So this is the first time I've ever had this experience on Threads, but I, I replied to someone who was talking about how it was actually John Porter, who I think is at The Verge, he, uh, one of their news people who said something like he doesn't, the fact that Netflix, et cetera, et cetera, won't be on there. Isn't any different than Epic not making Fortnite available on the Steam Deck? In what world does it make sense to put development resources into such a niche device? And my thought was development resources, it's unchecking a box. Like that's right. all you have to do. And I, uh, to be yeah. fair, in my response, I actually said you had to check a box. So I got that part wrong. But my point was, there are no development resources involved in making an iPad app available on Vision Pro. It just will run. And part of the response was like, yeah, well, they don't want to do that because it'll be buggy. And I mean, it's running on the same exact hardware with the exception of the screen as an iPad Pro. If it works on an iPad, it will just open in a window and be fine. And some people are like, well, why does it even matter? You can just do it on the... uh, in, in a browser, but for example, with Netflix, you're going to take this thing on a plane right. in Netflix's iPad app. You can download stuff, right? You don't have to be connected to the internet in order to do that. I will agree with like the YouTube thing, despite the relationship between Google and, and Apple YouTube's iPad app compared to using it in a browser, like the browser is better for YouTube. In my opinion, I think the browser interface is a lot better. So that doesn't make me as sad, but like Netflix is, I don't know. There's just something there about you could have done this with one, like <laughs> it would have taken one person, five seconds. Yeah. It's not, this is not an expensive thing for you to do. So not hard. Yeah. All right. We need to talk about Samsung galaxy unpacked before we do. I want to thank our wonderful sponsor this first month of primary technology, which is our good friends at rogue amoeba who makes the incredible apps, audio hijack and Loopback. This is uh, the website again, because of a typo, you listeners and viewers benefit from $20 off with coupon code primary tech, all one word, instead of the normal 20% off. And uh, so thankful they honored that. Listen, I love Audio Hijack. I'll just tell you about a new feature I haven't mentioned yet, which is that we mentioned the menu bar. Like right now, Jason and I, we're both recording with Audio Hijack. I don't even have the window open because when you run Audio Hijack, there's a little menu bar icon. You can click it and see all your sessions. You can set up multiple sessions, like for recording a podcast, Maybe for a solo recording, I have a session for when I do a video and I'm just recording the audio side of that video. And you can click run on any of those sessions from the menu bar and it's immediately recording. And you can also add a peak meter. You can actually see it here in the visual if you're watching the show. 
in the peak RMS, you can see the levels that are going up and down. And right now, I'm looking at the levels of my microphone in my menu bar. I can see my levels, I can see Jason's levels when he talks, and it's all happening in the menu bar of my Mac. I don't even need another window open cluttering my desktop. It all happens right there. And you can also do things like title your files with the current date. This way, every time you hit record on a new date, it's automatically going to have either the episode number counting up, you can have the date, you don't even have to think about it, don't even have to have a window open, do it all from that menu bar with different sessions, plus all the powerful tools like routing your audio different places, recording multiple USB mics in the same computer, you can do things like record FaceTime calls, record calls like this, record your podcast, and even transcribe audio from a specific block, it's incredibly powerful. You can also schedule recordings, which is pretty cool. So like for my movie podcast, uh, one of the things I do is schedule a recording to say, start recording now, stop recording two hours later, which is about the length of a movie. And I know Audio Hijack is going to start and stop that recording. I don't even have to be at my computer and it will record that audio, stop it exactly when I intended it to. And then I have an audio file ready to plug into my other podcast. So Audio Hijack, incredible tool. You have to try it now. In order to do it, here's where you go. You go to macaudio.com slash primary tech. That link is in the show notes. Just click it there, macaudio.com slash primary tech. And the promo code primary tech, all one word, gets you $20 off Audio Hijack or any of their bundles, which if you get it with Loopback, highly recommend. macaudio.com slash primary tech. Link is in the description. Thank you, Rogue Amoeba, for sponsoring this episode. Boom, Rogue Amoeba is good stuff. Now, I thought you went to a tech event this past week, uh, but now you're 0 for 2. I am. <laughs> <laughs> you, you said you were going to go to CES, you didn't go. And you were like, yeah, I'm going to go to that Galaxy Unpacked event. You didn't go to that now either. So I was looking for you in all the pictures. I People know. were posting pictures of the event. I was like, where's Jason? He said he was going to be there. <laughs> and then if, uh, it would have been a futile effort because you were it not It would have. I did see one of those where you posted that and I didn't have the heart to be like... <laughs> Yeah, I saw you didn't even respond. I was waiting for you to respond. I was like, oh, man, he's really secretive about where he was sitting. Stop looking now. Uh, Secret agent. So you watched it. I did watch it. This was the Galaxy Unpacked event, and I, I actually did intend to go to San Jose. The hard thing for me is that I usually, for an event like this, will fly in the night before and then fly home overnight that particular night. Like after the event, I don't stick around. I travel very short amounts of time. And so, but for this, the logistics were going to require some different travel arrangements that conflicted with some other things. And then I realized I actually didn't, I should have known this, but it, because I was planning to go, it wasn't even on my radar that like, wait, I can just, I can just watch this just like I could an Apple. I could just, I don't actually have to leave my house to do this. Right. And so I did and I, I watched it. Uh, I took lots of notes, shared lots of those notes with Steven. Um, the highlight of the entire thing, at least for Steven, and I'm trying, I'm thinking this could convince him to actually give up his iPhone is that the, oh. all of the galaxy S 24 devices do support Wi-Fi seven. <laughs> Which, if you've been listening to any of our episodes or any episode of any podcast that Stephen has ever been on, you know that that is a selling point right there. I have a problem. I need more. (laughs) Did you see watching that TikTok? I sent you a TikTok. I don't know where it was, but it was someone doing a speed test and they got 9,000 megabits down. Nine gigs down. What do you do with that? Um, you, you browse the internet really you fast. Burn you burn through do. your bandwidth really quickly. Is you know <laughs> whatever true. your ba- your That's broadband true. cap is. So yeah. No Wi-Fi. Anyway. Now I, I don't follow this stuff super closely, but this was the S24 and S24 Ultra, which look pretty much exactly the same with some slightly different colors as the 23 lineup. But it seemed like everything was AI. That was kind of the whole news of the show. Yeah, and 
the for, yeah the, the devices all look the same on the outside as previous models if you are a fan of the samsung galaxy uh line of phones you're gonna these are they'll look the same the 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 galaxy s24 ultra has you know whatever five holes on the back of it i'm not sure what four of them are cameras i don't know what the other one actually is i don't know if it's like the equivalent of a lidar sensor or what but oh. four of those are cameras and then there's a front-facing camera um and the i mean the flagship the s24 ultra is i will say a very very good android phone it may be the best android phone it right. has all the features and we talked before about how i have a hard time reviewing android phones it's not that i don't it's just that i'm bad at it because i'm so addicted to iMessage with my children that it's not that i'm addicted to it it's just it's it is it is the feature of my phone that i realize i can't replicate replicate anywhere else and so i won't right. i can't live without it but it does have i mean if you are like i don't even know so here's what's hard i don't actually know when i look at this list of features how many of these things are new but i mean I, there are and so this is my overall take there are some things that apple should absolutely incorporate into the iphone wi-fi 7 like that would be great like that's the next thing but none of the iphones have that 45 watt fast charging like that's that's pretty cool. I don't think that's that cool. you can do that on an iPhone. I don't know what the fast charging limit on an iPhone 27, is. But 27 yeah, so watts on the 15. I knew Steven would know. So this is why we work so well together. But but I do think the the entire point of this, at least from Samsung's perspective, is they really build this as the first AI phone, hmm. right? They And it's almost, it's funny to me because we've seen several AI devices, right? We've seen the humane AI pin, which is like, we are an AI not phone, right? right. And then there's the <laughs> rabbit R1, which is like, we are an AI companion to your phone so you can use it less and we'll do things for you which is funny because really well really all the r1 is doing is using ai to actually control an android phone on your behalf with your stuff logged into it somewhere in the cloud like a virtual device yeah so it is sort of like the in-between and then samsung's like no dude we, we make phones and we'll just put the ai on the phone and it'll be fine like what do you need to get rid of your phone for if you can just do all this stuff and it does do a couple of cool things so samsung notes it will automatically generate AI generated summaries for you of your, of your notes. Oh, it has okay. an on device interpreter mode and a live translate mode. So there's two different things. One, you could be on the phone talking to a person in two different languages and it'll detect the language of both people. And it'll do that whole like Whoa. translate for you. Um, or if you're having That's a cool. conversation across from someone, as you speak, it will, show what you said in the language of the person you're talking to. So you can kind of use it to talk. Now that's not a necessarily an, a super new feature. It is because you've been able to do that on, on several Google devices, including like right. the nest hub home explosively max thing that I have inside that I don't remember the name of. Uh-huh. I don't know why. I don't know why I included explosively. That was the weirdest description next, I've ever it's included. Nest hub max. It's just a Thank nest, you, the hub nest hub max. max. <laughs> Here's the reason it's hard because they changed the names of all of these things to be branded as nest. They didn't used to be that. So it messes me up. So to me, the nest is my thermostat. Anyway, that's a big one. A lot of camera improvements. Now wait, wait, one question on the summaries though. So the, the summary in your notes thing, is that, like powered by chat GPT behind the scenes, or is that like a Samsung AI that they have developed? Oh man, you're asking me questions that I was not okay, prepared for. Samsung knows AI generated just Hang on. I can get you the answer. That'll be a follow-up. I, I can get you answers. It says, uh, so you just really want to know, is it using chat GPT? It's or just, is it Samsung? just chat GPT? Yeah. So it's actually using, so, so, the obvious answer, which I don't understand why I didn't say this, it's, it's an Android device. It's not using ChatGPT, right? It's using Google. Oh, it's Google Bard. I mean, it's using some version of something, whatever right, right, Google's right. generative AI feature is. 
it's using that. So I don't know. I should have been able to answer that for you. This is how poor, poorly I do with Android. No, 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 it's good. It's good. It's good. But it would be really okay. a really big slap in Google's face if Samsung, which has worked with Google on all of these features, was like, nah, dude, we'll just use ChatGPT. It's good. Thanks. We're fine. Right, right. Um, the camera is is one of Samsung's strong suits. The they're using some AI editing tool. Like Google has done this on the Pixel for a while, right? With some of its AI editing tools, uh, with Magic Eraser, whatever. Best take. I think you tried to this the whole saga with trying to fool it. Um, but there's even now on Samsung some suggested edits, so you can ask it, "What should I do to this photo?" And it will it'll suggest AI generated edits so maybe that's removing a distractive element or increasing the brightness of the background or whatever it might be so that's that is kind of interesting to me in i think that most of especially on the android side a lot of these device makers have just decided we don't we don't care if it's a photo anymore we just want it to look really good and (laughs) so here's the thing this is actually partially where i disagree with those who are like well it's not a photo i used to be a professional photographer and i always thought of my job if i was photographing an event or you know i photographed a lot of weddings in my life my job was to help someone remember the way they felt at that moment Mm. whenever that was happening not necessarily to give them a documentary representation of what may have actually been happening at different times now it didn't mean you wanted to make things up and this was 15 years ago so none of this stuff existed other than photoshop but i think when what samsung and what google what they're trying to do is give you photos that remind you of what you thought was happening like the experience that you're going to remember in the future not the distracting element in the background and that's extraneous and disposable so let's just get rid of it i don't i don't know what you think about that what do you think you know i've heard neelai patel talk at length about what is a photo and like the troubling thought of changing history if we ever need to use these photos i guess like in a court case which he's a lawyer so maybe that's why it's it's that perspective yeah and i think like you if i have the choice of a picture of my family where two people are blinking or getting an AI version of the photo where everyone's looking at the camera and smiling. Yeah. I want the latter. And in those situations, if you're snapping multiple photos, trying to get the best one desperately, you know, it's really hard, especially the more people you have in the photo, the more difficult that is. Or if you're taking a selfie and it's your one trip to Niagara Falls and in that selfie, some dude was like picking his nose in the background. Yes. I, I don't want that guy there. Like, my memory was not of that guy. The memory is sharing this moment with someone I love in a beautiful place, whatever. So I'm, I'm less staunch on these are not photos, this is wrong kind of thing. And from the few minutes I tested the Google Pixel 8 Pro with these like, fo- like this best take feature, it seemed to be doing a good job of not letting you change the photo so much that it was a totally different photo. You know, you can, I mean, listen, Photoshop has been around for years. You could cut you out of a photo and put you like in the desert and say like, here's me in the desert. And like that didn't happen. Like, you know, you could have done that forever and making it easier to do that. I don't know how troubling it is. Like right now, these tools as they stand, I think they are useful for most people just trying to take photos of themselves and their friends and family or places they're going to. And I, I remember I used to work in the travel industry and I did some photography for that took photos for like brochures and I always had to wait till the entire group left or try to run ahead of the whole group to get a picture of the scene or whatever we were at with no people in it. So we could use it in a brochure or something and then also get other photos with people. But like just that alone to where I could just take a photo and if there's a couple people there, it doesn't matter. Like I can just remove them 
quickly with, you know, AI, you know, I'm down for that too. So I'm good. Like I'm good with these. Yeah. I do think that the, it's kind of scary that you just, I'd like to remove them with AI. I think you meant from the photo. (laughs) Not not actually trying to like, (laughs) I just, they all, if everyone is wearing AI pins and they just start dragging each other off of the thing, (laughs) I just want to remove them with AI. I just wanted to be clear, like some iRobot stuff going on right there. So like a Thanos just dusting away because you're wearing the AI (laughs) pin. No, not, not that. (laughs) Um, I do want to touch real quick. This was more of a Google feature, but Samsung included in their announcement which was the circle or Google circle, which basically you take, you have a photo and you can take your S24 ultra pen, your S pen or your finger, I imagine. Yep. And circle something in a photo to then search for it. And this is a cool feature. You know, I feel like all of these iterations are just Google lens reborn with right. more Accuracy. It's just a different UI. It's just a different it's way a different of interacting way. with the feature that exists. And you're going to be thrilled because this is actually also coming to the Google Pixel 8 and 8 Pro. It'll probably come to the iPhone too. Like it'll probably just be in the Google app on iPhone. That's probably true. And the reason why, so a quick story on this, uh, there's, we were in a, a group and uh, I was telling my kids like, you see that backpack? Like I knew it was a, like a high end backpack, like a Louis Vuitton or something. And they don't, they have no context of like what this stuff costs. <laughs> I was like, I bet that backpack is like thousands of dollars. And they're like, nah, that's crazy. So what I did was I took a photo with my iPhone 5X camera lens. I'm still down. I still enjoy it. Yep. I took a photo and then basically like cropped it. So only the backpack was in the photo. I went to the Google search app on my iPhone where you can upload a photo right there in the iPhone. You can do this today, right now. And it searches, it does a reverse image search for the backpack. And I was able to find it on whatever Coach or Louis Vuitton website because the Google does that reverse image search. And it's, it works really well. You can do that now. Like that's been around for years and you can do it on the web too. So I think this is cool. Like I think it's a, like a better implementation to say, you don't have to crop your photo weird. You don't have to like try and get super close. Like just circle the thing you want to search for and it'll find it. And this seems a cool feature. It'll probably be everywhere, but Samsung showed off on their phones yep yeah i mean i think if you're looking to upgrade to a samsung Galaxy, i mean you're gonna be really happy but the phones don't seem that much different it's just they are everyone is all in on incorporating ai and i just i will go back to what i said at the beginning i believe that this is a much better way to do that than what some of these accessories we talked about this last week i i think that this is what you're going to see i'm hopeful that we'll see some of this from apple that's my the take i'm writing for this weekend is that there are some things here that I really hope Apple is paying attention to. So yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. All right, real quick, I want to do some follow up, quick personal tech segment. But before we do, give me like real quick because the other thing that Apple was in the news for this past week, which gets overshadowed by Apple Vision Pro, but was the Epic versus Apple court case and their message to developers. Tell me real quick what happened there. Yeah, so this so Apple and Epic they had their case. It was several years ago. Apple mostly won that case, with the exception of one of the counts, which was anti-steering, which is essentially Apple has not allowed developers in the past to say that you could buy their thing. Like for example, with Netflix, that you could buy their thing somewhere else. In more specifically. Not only could you, you couldn't link to your own store. So if you're a game, you couldn't link out to your own game store to buy skins or whatever you might might do. So uh, they both appealed the the circuit court, mostly basically upheld that. They appealed to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court was like, "Now nah, we're good. We don't even want to hear it." So they like they declined to review the case, which means that the district court's ruling stands, which means. Apple doesn't have to allow third-party app uh, app stores, doesn't have to allow third-party payment processes in its own app store. 
at least because of this case that may change because of lawmakers and regulators. But as far as the outcome of this case, they didn't have to do that. But what they did have to do was allow developers to link out. That was the one piece that they lost. So Apple responded by updating their developer agreement to accommodate this. And essentially the Apple's response is yes, you can add one link on one page in your app and it has to actually open the Safari, whatever the default browser on the devices. It can't open it in a web view. It has to actually take you out to the browser. You can then sell your thing. And if a person purchases something as a result of clicking on that link within seven days, so not even just right away, Apple is still going to get its cut and its cut will be 27%, right? They are discounting it by 3% because that's what they say the credit card processing fees are that you're now gonna have to pay to Stripe or whoever. They, you will be required if you do this, you have to apply for the store kit entitlement. And if you do this, you will be required to submit on a monthly basis, all of your transactions and send Apple they're 27%. Now, it was funny for me because I get, you know, as soon as the Supreme Court denied hearing this, I get a uh, an email from the PR people for Epic saying like, this is a victory, you know, this is a, we think this is wrong because of whatever, whatever Apple's bad, but we, this is a victory because now developers will be able to do this thing. And then Apple releases this and I get another email. It's like, this is just bad, right? Like, so there was like a mm-hmm. sort of a high moment because they're like, oh good, Apple's going to be forced to let us do this. And then Apple did exactly what we expected, which is we're going to still take our cut. And it, it yeah. the revealing thing about that was nobody cares. None of the developers care. <laughs> no, listen, none of the developers care about being able to link out. They don't. That's not the thing. That is not the thing that anyone cares about. What they care about is the cut, right? The only right. reason they care about third-party app stores, third-party payment methods, linking out to their own website is because they're, someone is trying to find a way to not have to pay Apple essentially 30% of their income as a result of being in, you know, being in the app store. I shouldn't say nobody cares, but my point is the real issue here isn't give us a ability to link to our website. The real issue is give us a way to sell things to our customers without having to give you a cut Apple. And that's just never going to happen right now. My take in the story, I just want to be clear is Apple should just leave it alone. Right. This, it's just not worth it because guess what? I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to click a link to go pay somewhere else. I'm just going to use in-app purchase and developers who do this still have to allow in-app purchase. If you want to do the store kit new thing, you have to still allow in-app purchase. Most people are just going to do that. Apple's not going to lose that much money as a result, but the amount of goodwill that they're losing by making people jump through these hoops. And really the thing that they're doing is they're just making themselves a bigger target for lawmakers, right? There's already the, I think it's the open markets act. That's just been kind of sitting there waiting for someone to do something with it. Apple does not want that to get passed. And they are just like, they're just daring lawmakers to do something. Like, it's like, they're, they're not going to do this without being forced. And they are just being like, force me. Come on, just do it. Just to show how little Apple is willing to pay any money for anything yeah. it doesn't want to pay. The Apple Watch Series 9 and Ultra 2 in this saga of the blood oxygen sensor that Massimo sued Apple for whatever patent infringement. Apple is selling the watches again, deliberately <laughs> disabling the feature. And you can go on Apple's website to like the Apple Watch Ultra 2 or Series 9 page. And it says Series 9 and Ultra 2 no longer include the blood oxygen feature. Like Apple is literally just going to say, you know what? Forget it. <laughs> this feature that was like the primary feature of, I think it was the Series 8 seven? maybe when it came I out. I think it was Series or 7. W- yeah, it was, yeah. Or was it 6? Uh, I can't remember. I don't no, know. I think maybe it was Series seven. 7, I think. But they're basically saying like same price, 
You could buy the device, no problem. We're just, you're not going to get blood oxygen anymore, which to be fair, wasn't the most accurate sensor on the Apple Watch. Like it's probably not a huge loss, but just goes to show that Apple would rather put up a banner on their website saying, our watches no longer have this feature we told you about, rather than pay Massimo whatever amount they're asking for to whatever, to stop talking about this. (laughs) Yeah. And it was the Series 6, you were right. But think about it like this. Apple would rather make their product and the experience of using the product worse than write a check to this company. And the thing about Massimo is that company is big enough the type of company Apple is, they're not going to just be like, buy them, right? They're not going to just buy that right, company because that company's big enough yeah. that that, where I don't know what Massimo's worth, but it's probably more than $10 billion, right? So that's a, right. Apple could afford it, but Apple doesn't buy companies that are that big. It just doesn't. It, right. So th- it, that's why this is such a problem. And <clears throat> what's interesting about it is Apple doesn't want to give in until it doesn't have a choice in this case where it's going to exhaust every legal avenue right because it's still on appeal right right? they're still appealing this it's just they've disabled it for now so that they can go back on sale the problem for apple is once if they lose the case right if they are forced to have to they either now have to sell the devices permanently without this or they have to write a much much bigger check because they will have no leverage at all right the time you can get a better deal on something like this is while the while the things are still in doubt while there's still some uncertainty but once once they lose the case if that's what happens they're gonna have to write a bigger check and so it's just amazing to me that they would rather make the experience of using the product worse than write these people a check like who who does that that's amazing to me but also like this probably would not deter anyone from buying a watch that was already planning to buy one that's probably true you know like i i don't think anybody would see that banner like oh i don't even know what that did or like if someone if that was an important metric for someone blood oxygen was something they were measuring they probably already have the $10 finger blood oxygen sensor from Walgreens and don't care whether or not right. it's in the watch or not. So I guess I, I get it, but yeah, it's, it is pretty, it's pretty wild. Yeah, it's pretty wild. it is wild. All right, two quick follow-ups and then uh, we might move our personal tech as the bonus topic, Jason. Right. I think it might uh, serve us there. But we were talking about Apple merch and Apple stores and just want to share this. Zach White on Threads was recently at the Apple Park mm. in Cupertino and sent us a picture of the t-shirt selection currently available, which is very much a retro Apple selection. There's an Apple Park. You have the six-color Apple logo, the old-school Apple like font, and then the old-school Mac with the hello. These are some cool, this is cool merch. I got to get over there and, and get some merch. Yeah, I haven't seen... So the first three on the left, I've seen... Those are, I think, pretty standard. I've seen those before. The two Mac... The three Macintosh ones I have never seen before. So that's cool that they... I didn't... I wasn't necessarily aware that there was some kind of a rotation of the shirts. Now I feel like I need to go back because I do still have my my uh, Apple Park shirt. I just keep it here so Steven can see it every time we record. I, <laughs> I just need to keep to mine know. in the studio. <laughs> just pull it out. It'll feel bad. Okay. But yeah, it looks, it looks it's fun. Do you know how often they change out? Is it like seasonal? I didn't even realize that they did that. So that's, okay. that's, that's interesting. interesting to me. I mean, I've been to that Apple Park store, probably, I think three times. And I guess it never occurred to me that maybe the shirts were different. You know what? I tell you what, I'm going to ask you a personal tech question about Apple events. And then we'll okay. do the other question for the bonus episode. Okay. One other piece of follow-up though is we were talking about, again, Apple stores, but the Apple store time machine, which was developed by Michael Stieber, where you can do like 
3D walkthroughs of the four original Apple retail stores. I've not ever actually tried this. Have you tried this tool? Yes. So I want to just, I put this in here because you mentioned the Facades app, which is made by Michael Stieber. And I thought it was worth mentioning that he had also done this thing, I don't know, a couple of years ago. You do have to download the whole thing to your, you can download the whole thing to your phone or your computer and run it locally. I don't think it's the four original Apple stores. I think it's just four like iconic. So it is the original Tyson's corner square whatever that name it has is apple for fifth avenue too it has the fifth avenue i think it might have the palo alto store possibly um what are they stanford shopping tyson's corner fifth avenue infinite loop. In infinite infinite loop so um i think that that's it's it's just a cool thing you can actually walk through them especially the tyson's corner because of how that's the original store it just it feels so different so incredibly different mm-hmm. and actually even the fifth avenue is not the current it's the original these are all the original layouts of these stores. So even the fifth Avenue, if you go to it today, it's very different than, than that. I mean, it still obviously has the staircase coming down, but the rest of it's different. So I just thought that was cool since we had talked about it now, this is now the third time. <laughs> so maybe that'll be just <laughs> no, no, a recurring follow-up theme. It's, it's fun to see like the stuff that he put on the shelves too, like the OSX, you know, boxes and stuff. Yep. Yeah. The black MacBooks that are on the table in one of these clips is pretty cool. So we'll put the link in the show notes. Also wanted to mention Apple podcasts. If you listen to Apple podcasts, which a majority of you are listening there now, the show notes get cut off after a certain character amount. And so if you are looking for a link that I said, I was going to include in the show notes and you're like, he said he was going to put the link and it's not there. <laughs> I put it there. Apple podcast cuts it off. <laughs> so go to primarytech.fm. And you can see all the links plus like transcript for the show, plus link to the video. It's all there. Uh, so still, you know, follow, subscribe, all that kind of stuff. But uh, primarytech.fm, if you want to get the full show note links, if you see any cut off. Or just send a tweet or a, uh, a thread to Stephen and he'll, yeah. he's a personal concierge service that we offer with this show right. that he'll just send you those links. I'll send you the link. I'll hand uh, farm to table uh, links <laughs> or uh, <laughs> my, my notes to your threads. Anyway. We're going to do a bonus episode. Your question, I think, is great. So the bonus episode this week will be, if you could only choose two Apple devices, what would they be? Which I think is, you know, Sophie's choice. But we're going to say, what two Apple devices? But I saw this other thread recently. I forget who it was, but it was a conversation about the original and old iLife software. And I'm going to just reminisce in a moment. But how, like, your entry into the Apple world, were you in, like, that iLife, iDVD, iWeb time? When all that was active, Stephen, I have a dot Mac email address. I have well, been listen, doing so do this. I. I've been doing this for a very long time. But, but are we it. saving it for the? Are we saving that for the bonus topic? Or are we talking about it now? No, let's talk about this. This is personal tech. We'll talk about it right now, and then we'll do okay. the two Apple devices uh, for the bonus topic. And you said something about the Apple events for the bonus topic too. But yeah, that's fine. I we'll do, get to it. I had we'll two thoughts. Listen, listen, Jason. Listen, I had two thoughts. They were all they right. were competing in my mind. One, I was going to ask, you know, how you choose the events you go to personally because you're like. Samsung Galaxy, nah. CES, nah. Uh, AirPods Pro 2 on a United flight? Sure, I'll go to that. Absolutely, I'll go to that. (laughs) (laughs) So, I'll ask you about that, but we can talk about it another time. Okay. I was just curious, like, what year, like, I can pinpoint the year for me was 2005. 2005 is when I got my iPod, I started paying for .Mac, and I got my .Mac address, and then that year I got my 12 inch G4 PowerBook, and it led me into that whole world. Can you, do you remember the, the year or like the era that you entered the Apple space? Yeah, I do. I, my first Apple product that I purchased was a titanium PowerBook. 
G4. So I think that's 2000 or 2001. I think it was 2001 was the first one uh, that I right. bought on my own. It had the super drive in it, which was amazing. It was probably like a 400 megahertz device with, I don't even know the specs anymore. I have actually tried to find my original Mac uh, PowerBook G4 because I think I know where it may still be located. I sold it. That person, I know where. Anyway, yeah. someday I'm going to show up on this show and I'm just going to hold it up and you're going to be like, what oh, is that lunch tray? I sold, I sold my 12-inch G4 PowerBook shortly after I got married because we needed 250 bucks. I sold it for 250 <laughs> I regret it to this day. Yeah. I wish I still had it. I've looked on eBay and like you can still buy a G4 12-inch PowerBook, but I'm like, it's not mine. Right. So it doesn't really matter. You know, I, I wanted my original. Yeah. So, and so, but my first, so I was exposed, like in school, we had Macs. And then I had a friend when I was very young who had, I think it was either an original Mac or like an SE 30, whatever the, you know, a couple of years later, but it was, you know, what you think of at the iconic Macintosh. And then, and I know that there are some people who, who are older than us, who just their heads exploded when I tried to describe it that way. And I apologize, but <laughs> my first, like when I remember really using a Mac on a regular basis was I had a friend in college who got a gumdrop iMac who, who got an actual iMac. Oh, sure. And that was just like mind blowing to me because first of all, I didn't have a computer period. And so the, to be around someone who had not only just a computer, but something that was that cool. And then a few years later, I bought my first PowerBook G4 and I actually bought it to use final cut pro. That was the reason that I bought right. that, that device at the time. And it was amazing because it actually, it was the fastest computer I'd ever used at that time. So yeah, exactly. I, and so mine was the the twelve inch G four PowerBook in two thousand five, and it had the super drive. And I remember iLife, like the iDVD, like I didn't buy Final Cut until a couple years later. I did Final Cut Express. Mm. I actually never got Final Cut seven full on. I went Final Cut Express to then the Final Cut Pro ten uh, once that changed. But on that G four PowerBook, there was one piece of software. I the person who was responsible for it. They were on threads and I'll, I'll try and find it. Basically, iDVD, it was so easy to make DVDs with custom menus and like multiple layers of menus. For some reason, I just loved doing it. Obviously, I loved movies. That's why I have a movie podcast. But I would make short videos in iMovie, especially for like youth group and stuff back then. And I would just make DVDs. I just made like dozens of DVDs. I would buy the whole 50 disc spindle, burn them all, label it. I even had like one of those. I bought, or my parents bought for me, I don't even know, like a, like a DVD label printer. Yep. So it would like print out the circle, it had a sticker, and then it, there was like a little applicator thing. It looked like the DVD spindle, but you basically like DVDs down here and you push it down with the sticker and then you could have like a branded label DVD. And I just, and then I even, I bought the, the DVD blank cases, little plastic book things, and I would print inserts and like, I I made DVDs with iDVD of videos that I made. I wasn't like pirating stuff, but it was just so fun. And it felt like this is amazing. This just comes with the computer. I can make a movie in iMovie, iLife, burn it in iDVD, print all this stuff and like hand someone what looks like a completely finished iDVD. And honestly, after college, a lot of my like side work was that. It was like people who you know, wanted to make videos of their own or were trying to sell stuff. And when I could hand them like a fully jacketed DVD with a label printed on the disc and hand that to them, like it blew their minds. They were like, this looks amazing. Can you make a hundred of these? I'm like, sure. It'll take me a week because it's going to be burning one by one uh, in, <laughs> in my power book. But it was just such a nostalgia. Like I just loved that era. And it was, I don't know. It just felt like amazing tools to make stuff right away. Okay. okay. So here's the thing. I'm going to make a pitch. 
Anyone okay. who just heard that, you you have to become a member of this podcast. And the reason you have to become a member, because we, first of all, really appreciate the support. We really do. That's wonderful. We love that you're listening. We love it if you'd become a member. But there's a particular reason you have to become a member. And I don't even care if you become a member and then cancel before the free trial thing is over, because you have to go back and you have to listen to last week's bonus episode. Because essentially, Stephen just told the same story in reverse about buying a DVD, a physical DVD, and oh, then yeah. all of the hoops he went through to convert it to not a DVD, to a, a, a digital so file. So, like, there's so much poetry involved in that entire story. Like, last week, he talked about how awesome. right now his life mission is to take physical DVDs and turn them into something he can, like, move <laughs> around and descript and edit out swear words and then have a, vis- a version that he can watch with his kids. And it was like, he used Handbrake and he used yeah. all these different things yes and but today he told us the story of where it all began which was i'm gonna make as many dvds in the real as i can and i love that so become a member it'll be worth it it'll be worth it so it just blew my mind (laughs) it just blew my mind this is is what i'm here for (laughs) this is what i'm here for these moments circle so here's what you could do you could go support the show directly in apple podcasts you could just do a free trial listen to the bonus episodes right there also go to primarytech.fm click bonus episodes and you can support us through memberful one feed, and you'll get ad-free versions of the show, plus all the bonus episodes. There's a bonus episode every week. The main episodes this week, we're going to talk about if we only could have two Apple devices, which would we choose? That was a good prompt from Jason. So go sign up, support the show. We really appreciate your support. Five-star rating and review, if you could do that. That's free to do. Anybody can do that. Just yeah. flood it in there again. Let's get in the top 10 tech shows this week. That would be amazing. That would be amazing. Flood in there. Five-star reviews. Support the show if you can. We want to be doing this for a long time, and your support really helps with that. And of course, you can follow Jason and myself. All those links are in the show notes. Thanks for listening and watching. You can go to youtube.com slash at primary tech show to watch over there to primary technology. And we'll see you over in the bonus episode.